In just a moment, I'm going to be reading a scripture from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, uh, the first four verses, a part of the Beatitudes, the Blesseds of Jesus, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, beginning a sermon series this morning uh, entitled, Did Jesus Really Say That? Because uh, there are a lot of times I think we're shocked at what we think the Bible says or what we want the Bible to say and what Jesus really said. And uh, so we're going to look at some of those sayings that maybe make us uncomfortable. And on the narthex table, uh, you will find copies of the mailer that hopefully you received in your home that has the sermon series listed and the topics and the dates. And uh, we want to encourage you to use these as an invitation tool to maybe take them to work or to school or to share with friends or neighbors, and maybe invite someone to come sit with you uh, in one of the Sundays, and it would be an easy way to invite people uh, to experience the gospel and to be a part of uh, our fellowship and to learn from God's Word. So we encourage you as we look at the various topics to uh, follow along and and to maybe read the scripture ahead and maybe share this as as a means of outreach. Now, before I read the scripture, I would like to invite us to a time of prayer, and so I invite us to Just simply be quiet in God's presence. Silence is good. Music is wonderful. Words are wonderful. But sometimes silence is a way we can experience God's presence. And I invite us to that time of silence. And then I'll lead us in family prayer. Our loving God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your love. We thank you for the rich worship we have experienced already and for your presence with us not only today, but every day. And we pause to thank you for the mediating work of Jesus Christ, Jesus, our Savior and our substitute who stood in the gap for us, who stands with us through all of eternity so that we never stand alone. Thank you for forgiveness and for the power of transformation as our lives are shaped into the image of Christ day by day. We remember today to pray for our world, for the hungry, for the refugees, for those struggling uh, with enough to eat. We pray for our world situation, for our military personnel, that you will keep them safe, for all of our missionaries and mission partners, that you will bless them. And we pray for those closer to home who are struggling for the uh, residents of the evergreen condos in Holt Summit and the terrible fire and devastation this week for their provision, for their life's needs, and for others who are suffering and struggling around us, for those who are grieving, for those who are hurting and lonely, for those who are ill. And we pray your touch and your gospel power might work in their lives. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers and We want to invite you now to work in our lives and, if necessary, to rearrange some things in our lives that we might be open to the countercultural word of Jesus, uh, his word upon us and over us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now I invite you to stand if you're able, and I'm going to read this scripture aloud, and then we'll uh, share some together uh, from God's word. Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 4. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs 
is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. May God bless this word to our hearts. You may be seated. Well, after this sermon was prepared and ready for delivery, uh, this weekend I got word that my granddaughter's pet hamster, Ori, died. And my granddaughter has spent the whole weekend crying because it was a significant loss for her. She loved Ori. And so it invites the question, do we live in a culture that makes room for tears? Do we live in a culture that creates space for appropriate grieving and appropriate mourning and appropriate loss? Another example I think of from many more years ago, I was starting out in the ministry and there was a a call to the hospital emergency room or rather to the intensive care unit. And in the intensive care waiting room, I was ministering to the family, the patriarch of the family, we'll call the family Smith, not their name, but uh, in the the waiting room ministering to them, the patriarch of the family was dying. They just received word that he wasn't going to get well. And the grandson standing in front of me, probably about 11 years old, started sobbing. And I instinctively started moving toward him to minister to him, and his father stepped between us. Father put his hands on the boy's shoulders, got in his face, and said, Buck up, son. We're Smiths. We don't cry. And that was the message delivered to that boy. Really? Grandfather dying? We don't cry? Does our culture, do we live in a culture that allows us space to appropriately grieve and appropriately cry? See, the whole point of this sermon series, did Jesus really say that, is to help us come to grips with the fact that if we are going to follow Jesus, we will often be going against the grain of culture. It's accepted standards, it's accepted mores, it's accepted approach to life. And and it's a question we have to ask. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, grieve, cry, for they shall be comforted. Blessed, all the way through. That's why they're called the Beatitudes. That's a Latin word for blessing. Blessing, blessed, blessed, blessed. Jesus keeps saying blessed. And the word blessed is a little bit slippery and hard to translate from the Greek makario. Uh, makarioi. Uh, uh, it's a word that, that uh, sort of uh, we have trouble capturing. It may mean fortunate. It probably means blessed. It probably means to be envied. It probably means uh, be joyful when this happens to you. But it also means congratulations. So Jesus was saying, congratulations if you're poor in spirit. Congratulations if you are uh, mourning or crying. Now, the word, the Greek word was used often in Homer's poetry, the famous 
uh, 8th century, approximately 8th century B.C. writer that so influenced Greek literature. And so in the Greek, this word for blessed is used often in Homer's writings. And often there it meant uh, congratulations to the special people, the privileged, the wealthy, the educated. Congratulations to the country club crowd, to the in crowd, to the beautiful people, to the ones who are on the cover of People magazine and Us magazine. Congratulations to all the beautiful people out there. That's what it meant probably by the time Jesus came along. It was used for all of those people who had life going their way. Well, Jesus completely flips it around. He starts using a word for congratulations, a word that's usually used for the jet set, for the in crowd, for the beautiful people. And he says, wow, congratulations if you are the spiritual rejects. Congratulations to you losers. Congratulations to you bankrupt and deprived. Congratulations to you who don't have anything going your way, who cry all the time. Or in the song of Simon and Garfunkel, blessed are the sat upon, the spat upon, and the ratted on. Congratulations, Jesus said, if you're spat upon, sat upon, and ratted on. You're the the rejects. Jesus was telling us that Self-confidence doesn't really work, that God-confidence is the only thing that works, and we have to be at the end of ourselves before we can really be blessed or congratulated. And that's a hard message to hear because culture says just the opposite. And by the way, if you want to work at this business of living a counter-cultural gospel, if you want to grow in the area of, of following Jesus rather than the grain of culture, One of the disciplines that I practice occasionally is that for one week I will read through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. It doesn't take long. It's like reading through a newspaper from from the front to the back. It's like maybe spending a little time on Facebook or um, your favorite gossip site online or your favorite sports site online. Just a, a, few, a few minutes every day, and over the course of one week, read through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. And what happens is, when I do this, I just become very convicted about all the ways that my life needs to be detoxed from all the cultural stuff that's in there. How my values need to get aligned with Jesus' values that they have, without me realizing it, gotten aligned with culture's values. So it's a great, it's a great cleansing experience to just for one week read through the Sermon on the Mount. I challenge you to do that. So if Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who know how to cry, what are the blessings of learning how to cry? I think one of the blessings of learning how to cry is that it connects us to the human race. When we can really cry, we get connected to the human race and our life gets opened up to the suffering of others. See, there's a couple of values in that. When we learn how to cry and get connected to the suffering others, we don't feel all alone because suffering is a very lonely experience. And when we learn to cry, we learn what we're not the only one crying. We're not the only one hurting. So we learn to cry with others, and others are crying with us. But the other side of that is for crying to connect us to the human race, 
means that we don't feel above other people. You know, there is this, there's this arrogance that says, that would never happen to me. If that happened to me, I would be strong. But crying is a great leveling experience that reminds us that we're not above the suffering of others, that we enter into the suffering of others. And when we learn to mourn, we're saying it's not okay that injustice creates suffering for the weak and the disadvantaged of our society. It's not okay that millions of people in the world today go hungry while you and I will waste so much food at lunch. Learning to mourn means that we plug into the world's pain and we say it's not okay that millions of people live and die without ever hearing the message of how much God loves them and how Jesus Christ can become real and transformational in their lives. It's not okay that people's lives get so messed up because they've missed their God connection. They've missed out on the God connection that can change them. These things are not okay, so we mourn, we cry. Dietrich Bonhoeffer used the illustration of of a passenger ship, a cruise ship. He said, the cruise ship is sinking, but all the people on deck are just dancing and partying because they think everything's okay. And Bonhoeffer says, but we know differently. We know everything's not okay. And so we mourn and we grieve. This is how we get connected to the world through our tears. The suffering that's out there that connects us. You know, I actually knew a man one time who could not cry. I don't mean that he was too stubborn or hard-hearted. I mean, he had a tender heart at times. But... He, through some kind of physical anomaly, his tear ducts would not produce tears. Uh, enough, to, I'm sure, to moisten his eyes. He could see, he could, he could read, but he, he couldn't cry. And I've thought about that man many times, and I've wondered, maybe spiritually that's what's wrong with us. Our spiritual tear ducts are messed up. We can't cry for others. We can't cry for the pain that's out there. And I think when Jesus said these words, he, he probably knew the Old Testament prophets well and probably knew that passage in Amos. You know, Amos wrote as the Old Testament prophet to a people who were so comfortable with their own uh, physical material possessions. They were so comfortable with their own lifestyles. They were so comfortable with their own uh, security that they couldn't cry for the hurting and the pain. Look at this passage of Scripture from Amos, the sixth chapter. Alas, this is what Amos said that I think Jesus was referencing. Alas, for those who lie on beds of ivory and lounge on their couches, who sing idle songs, who anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph or the people of God. Joseph is just another name for Israel or the people of God. They have all these comforts, but they don't know how to cry. They don't know how to be grieved. Well, of course, when Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, he wasn't just talking about us getting plugged into the human race. 
and our lives being opened up to the suffering of others. He was also talking about us getting plugged into our own hearts and getting in touch with the loss and the pain and the hurting that's there. Because you see, when we mourn, when we cry, we create space for God's Spirit to work. As long as we're in charge, as long as everything's okay, as long as life is rocking along, there's no room for God because we're in charge. But as one author says, crying helps us get over that nasty habit of thinking we are running the universe. Crying helps us get over that nasty habit of thinking that we are running the world. It creates space for God. And I invite you to look at that verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn. And what's the promise that goes with that? Congratulations. Congratulations to those who know how to cry, for they will be what? Comforted. And by the way, comfort means more than consolation. Consolation is sort of the petting and the soothing and, and the patting of the hand. There, there, it will be okay. That's good. Consolation is good. But the word comfort actually means more than that. It means to be fortified. Comfort. It means to be fortified with. It means to be energized by God's power. And there are many times we cannot be energized with God's transforming power through Jesus until we cry, until, we, until there's space in our life created for what God wants to do. That's when we're fortified. That's when we are strengthened through the power of the risen Christ. And so, this wonderful congratulatory note from Jesus. Congratulations if you know how to cry. Because it helps us get plugged into what's going on inside of us, creating space for God to work, and then it helps us plug into a world that's hurting. And we are much better comforters once we've learned how to cry. The people who do the best ministry with others are the ones who know how to cry. We are called wounded healers. And uh, one of the uh, devotional books that I use in my daily quiet time is Common Prayer. Shane Claiborne and, and several others have compiled and edited this daily devotional guide called Common Prayer. And I want to show you the prayer uh, that, that, I had, uh, that I pray on a regular basis uh, or that I ran across the other day and I've learned to pray on a regular basis. Lord, we bring you our vulnerability, our wounds, our pain, and our growth. By the power of your forgiving love, help us also to become wounded healers. See, that's, that's the goal. That in our own brokenness and our own tears, we can become wounded healers. And so I want you to say that prayer out loud with me, okay? It's on the screen and let's pray that prayer aloud together. Lord, we bring you our vulnerability, our wounds, our pain, and our growth. By the power of your forgiving love, help us also to become wounded healers. Amen.